Listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. All right, we're joined by a big hitter this week from the movement world. Oh, where are we? <laughs> it is Mr. Shirtless Dude himself. Most people will know him by that name, but his actual real name is Andrew Dettelback, and we were very excited to get him on the podcast to talk all things recovery and social media and living next to a 5G tower. It gets wild. You're going to enjoy it. And when you when you base your name on uh, that involves shirtless, then the chances are you don't wear a shirt very often. And he, he, he you, this, Andrew's the type of guy you just wouldn't even recognise him. It'd look weird if he had a shirt on. But um, we talk a lot more than just social media. We do touch a little bit about social media actually, which is quite interesting to get his take on it. Um, but we talk we talk very much about the holistic approach to improving our health and the impact then on our recovery. Um, towards the end, he goes into a little bit of detail of some of his favourite recovery strategies and techniques that you can try and implement into your training weeks uh, and days to help improve your recovery, which is what this whole series has been about, trying to give uh, you some insights, some uh, some helpful advice and encouragement of things you can try out. And, you know, all these things are very much a individual cases. So there is a test trial and error style approach we would recommend for you to try things out, see if it works for you. And uh, if it does, great, implement it. If it doesn't, try something else. So before we get into chatting to a guy who's not got his shirt on, we're going to tell you a little bit and say a massive thank you to Newton Wood, who are sponsoring our podcast. And they create the highest quality Epsom salts. Now, the things that's really good about these is they are free from any chemicals or anti-caking agents, artificial colors, parabens, additives, you know, how we like to keep things as close to source, as pure as possible. Well, these ones tick the absolute, every, all the boxes for us. And it's a really nice little product which can massively help your recovery and particularly one thing that I'm super interested and excited about is the effect that it has on sleep. Yeah, Tim. Now, very interesting and appropriately, we have obviously Andrew, the shirtless dude on the podcast. It's super important when you are showering or where you are bathing in a bath with these Epsom salts that you do have your shirt off and ideally all of your clothes off. Um, that's a, that was my joke, but it's it's a joke, but it's it's serious in that hopefully when you're showering you your clothes off. Anyway. You, um, you, can the, great... you can get the Instagram handle all my clothes off, dude. That could be you. <laughs> That's good. Right, <laughs> no naked clothes, dude. dude. Yeah, naked um, dude. But that will definitely be taken. Someone's got that. <laughs> Someone's sure. got that. Naked dude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him the follow now. Um, anyway, what, uh, as Tim said, like the purity of these uh, Epsom salt crystals is one of the uh, sort of standout features of them. And, you know, not only can you use them in the bath, you use them in the shower, um, it's the type of thing that I use and have done for crikey nearly 20 years now um, since I was back from when I was playing rugby to improve recovery um, it is sleep but it's also in, uh, upping our levels of magnesium that when we're training consistently and, and, and hard that we often we know from the research that magnesium levels drop it's a muscle relaxant it's also anti-inflammatory properties so it's something that's super simple to do super relaxing and great before bed and you're going to get that excellent night sleep as well they come in very handy 250 uh, gram sachets so you can literally like buy one to test it they're only two pound fifty you can get them from the our website scorecardscience.com in the shop there and uh 
you can uh, say you can test them out literally as a one-off sample or if you you know if you're all on board and you you've been into this type of thing for a while so a lot of people have been using epsom salts for a while making sure you're getting 100 percent pure highest grade quality epsom salts is what we would recommend um, because it is important for your health that that's what you're getting in Right, just while I go on Instagram, Jacko, and check how many followers I've got on my other account, Naked Dude. Um, <laughs> oh, is that you? <laughs> well, you, you'll get a surprise when you uh, when you go and check that out. Look, see. Be, you're really that account, it's just pictures of me that you've got. <laughs> yeah. Actually, reminds me, we've joked about a photo, but I have got an incriminating photo of you just in a pair of wax pants doing a very dodgy handstand from... Yeah. You remember? That I've never still needs got to see the light of day. I bet you have. It's holding there for ransom one day. Right, yeah. let's get off this anyway, because we don't look as good <laughs> with our shirts off as Andrew Dettelback does. So we're going to we're gonna shut up and we're going to welcome on. Enjoy this week's podcast. Here is Andrew Dettelback, a.k.a. the shirtless dude. Um, roll. I was going to say on the podcast formerly known as Scorecast and its podcast, but instead all I'm going to say is roll that jingle. So very excited today, not only because the person we have on is an absolute legend, but equally, he makes me look like someone that constantly wears too many clothes. We've got... Andrew, um, better known on Instagram as the shirtless dude, who literally hasn't even got a shirt on right now as we talk. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. I didn't dare pronounce your surname. You can, you can. No, thank <laughs> you for having me. But you can give yourself an intro as well. How's it going? Name is Andrew Dettelbach, um, known as the shirtless dude, and I've been that way for what five years now. And that is solely because having the shirt off helped our views back in the day, and now it has just kind of stuck. <laughs> it's a thing. It's it's your thing. Do you actually have any t-shirts? Are you the what's the reason you're not wearing a t-shirt right now as we do the podcast? Um, you know, I'm hot. I've got some sweat. <laughs> I actually was just on the bike. Uh, I I wear a shirt and a jacket while I'm in my gym because it's about 30 degrees Fahrenheit in there, and um, which is cold. It's below freezing. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I, I wear that and then I come in here and Katie's got the fire on. It's 76 degrees Fahrenheit in here, which is warm. Yeah, so she, so, sure she cranks up. the heating up so she gets yeah. to see the good stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's <the plan>. <laughs> It is, a, it is a great personal brand, though, that you've, 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 um, you've, 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 you've embodied that beautifully, that it's, just, it's perfectly acceptable to see you with your shirt off, and people would, it would be unusual for us if we saw you with your shirt on, which is, um, yeah, it's a good lesson in personal branding. Yeah, it's almost like in in the UK, when it gets to about 13 degrees Celsius in the summer, you'll start seeing people with their shirt off because we're that sort of stu- and it's a, But it's weird to see someone with their shirt off, whereas it would probably be more weird to see with a T-shirt on, but I've never actually seen that. Well, um, it's, it was funny because I was making some, we're going to be talking about recovery, and I was doing uh, yeah. like a cold showers uh, video for our program, and I realized that I spend a lot of my time just shirtless wearing just shorts in cold environments. And I'm like, I've kind of been doing this Wim Hof cold therapy for the last six years when I'm filming and all that shit. 
So yeah, so you're well attuned and used to it. Yeah, so you mentioned that we're this is the final part of our recovery series that we've been doing, um, and we're excited to talk not just about some specific recovery um, strategies, tools, techniques, whatever you want to call them, that you um, adopt yourself. You know, you look after yourself and your body um, very well. That's evident to see from you know from how you move as well. Um, with the whole program you have within within the the wealth and the wealth community that you have started um there's obviously a holistic approach to that which we are yes. very much on board with and interested to to talk initially uh well we can go either way like would you prefer it, it, i'll leave it a little bit up to you do you want to talk a little bit first like holistically or do you want to dive into the the nitty-gritty of some recovery strategies um let's let's go to the first option lead the way there yeah so from a holistic point of view yeah um so from a if from, so from a holistic point of view, um, but just like overall, like top level, what are some of the things that um, you know you adopt yourself, encourage others within your community to to do in order to look after look after themselves? And there's a phrase we've been using recently of investing in our physical pension. Like, how do I invest in what things can I do now, day to day, um, that's accessible for people to you know to prolong the the goodness of life. Sure. So I know that a lot of people that are listening that know me know that I focus a lot on movement. And that's just kind of been a part of my brand for the last several years. Um, And what's important for people to know is that movement is only a little piece of the puzzle. And there's been a lot of work on mindset, willpower, grit, um, nutrition, uh, you know, the, the different habits that I form in my life and the different recovery practices and just creating an environment around me that are suitable for creating gains in multiple areas of my life, not just with my body and my movement. And that's ultimately what, you know, we've started to focus on with, with wealth is creating this embodiment of all of these different areas. So we have five pillars that we focus on, which is the movement, nutrition, the environment, restoration, and the mindset. Mindset probably being one of the more important of the five. And we obviously focus a lot on the movement and the nutrition and mindset, and the other two are kind of supporting, um, just because that's those are the things that I know the most about. Um, I don't know the most about toxicities and our environment and all that. And we practice all that. And that's all a piece of some stuff that I can talk about today. But uh, I I approach my body from multiple angles, not just the body, but the mind as well. Nice. One thing I want to get your your thoughts, Andrew, when you've got like a a very sort of a holistic approach to to how you see health um, and well-being, just a lot of stuff we want to kind of talk about and this is something that jack and i haven't spoken about um much during this recovery um series we've been doing is around behavior change because often we're going to talk about doing mm. sort of new things or changing the way that we do things to try and incorporate different or um, upgrading our practices in some ways how do you go about supporting your community and from your own practice about sort of managing behavior change to get people to move and change their their um, their practices to, to, to with the with the, with the view sure. ultimately of improving what they're doing so I think we all know that New Year's resolutions, we generally create some pretty big goals for ourselves. And this is just an example of some things where you're like, I want to make, I want to have a six pack. Maybe you don't have any muscle showing at all. And your goal is just to have a six pack and you dive in and you're trying to get that six pack. 
in a week, pretty much. You're spending two hours a day doing all your core work, your sit-ups and and your cardio and, and your diet's improved. And you're doing all this stuff at once. And then within a week or so, it just completely falls apart, if you even make it through a week. And that is just because it, it is too daunting. There's too much that you're having to change all at once. So what we focus on and what I do a lot of for myself is just creating tiny habits. And this is kind of goes to, for those of you who don't know, BJ Fogg is kind of the leader in habit formation. He's got some pretty cool books out there and he has a really cool story himself and just creating super tiny habits. So instead of, yes, maybe you want a six pack, but let's start with not an hour of working out a day. How about you do five squats while you brew your coffee and then call it and start super small, so small that it almost seems incredibly insignificant. The point, you know, this isn't going to make a change, but ultimately those five squats turn into full workouts over time as you get accustomed to creating this habit on a daily basis. So instead of trying to floss all of your teeth, floss one tooth, um, and eventually you'll build up to doing your whole mouth in terms of flossing. So that's love that. the kind of approach that we take is tiny. Floss, I can't imagine taking a piece of floss to do one tooth. Like once I'm flossing, I'm doing the whole lot. It's going, it's going to <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, like the, I like it as an example though. I'm actually reading James Clear's book, Atomic yes. Habits, which is a similar sort of, similar sort of principle. Yes, um, and I, I, his book is great as well. And that kind of opened my mind and helped me teach a lot of people how to just take action. Like, you know, putting your journal on top of your computer so that you have to actually grab the journal before you open it to work. So that you actually write something down there. Yeah. yeah. I quite I like that's... there was one, I don't want to go off topic. Oh, sorry. No, go on, mate, go. Uh, just there was a, there was one about like, you know, creating new good habits, but then like also ways of stopping bad habits or things you don't want to do. And all about like putting friction in between, in the way. Um, and there was one example he gave of like, if you, uh, if you want to, you don't want to, you're just watching like rubbish TV that you just don't want to do, or you just get lost in like YouTube. It was like, before you, you have to say out loud before you turn the TV on. You have to say out loud the thing you're going to watch. You can't just aimlessly search things. If that, if that doesn't work, you you unplug it after you use it every time. And if that doesn't work, take your TV out after you've used it and stick it in another room in a cupboard. And so the next time you actually want to go out, you've got to really want to get it out to do it. Which is you know, with uh, nutrition is probably one of those things that falls into that category of like not wanting. Like there's lots of things we can do from a nutrition point of view to help our recovery. But then there's also mm-hmm. things that we don't want to consume that's going to uh, impact our recovery and our, our, our health um, and trying to put friction in between those things. Um, totally. I think the, well, the, TV example, yeah. the TV example is funny. I have a 65 inch flat screen. I'm not taking that off the wall. I'm not moving it. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous. Uh, uh, in terms of just eliminating the, the stimulus or the trigger rather, you know, if you can put the food that you love to eat that is you know, something that you know isn't necessarily healthy and just either throw it away or move it downstairs or put it somewhere that it's not easy for you to go get, that is helpful. Uh, we actually take more of an additive kind of approach to nutrition. So instead of saying just don't eat carbs, well, how about you just increase uh, your water intake? Uh, because for those of you who don't know, the satiation that you get the dehydration that you may or may not feel is the same feeling that you get when you're hungry. Mm. So if you're ever hungry, 
it's the same feeling that you get when you're thirsty. So you're not really sure if it's that you need more food or that you need more water. So one thing you can do is just drink more water. That helps. And then also increasing the healthy um, foods in your diet. So protein and fat are things, if you eat more of those, you're less likely to eat as much of the sugary stuff. Rather than just but saying, don't eat this, because that's, that's yeah. tough to do. But potatoes are all right, right? Oh, yeah. The potatoes are... <laughs> no, no, no. I've actually been eating quite a bit more uh, keto. Both Katie and I have been fairly keto-ish, just eating fruits in the evenings and not really eating carbs uh, until then. And that's been pretty nice. Feel feel good. Nice. I think it's a really interesting point that about choices, isn't it? And, and that's what it comes down to is, is if um, I, I know one of the easiest ways not to eat foods that you actually don't know you shouldn't be eating but struggle with is just not buy them in the first place. So it's it kind of stems back a little bit of, of um, the, how the environment that we surround ourselves in. And, and that was one thing I wanted to sort of get some some ideas from you and your thoughts on around how do you go about creating an environment which is good from a holistic perspective? Because often people will have, or particularly now with, with COVID, their, their training has become home-based where previously before it might have been in the gym you've got the you've obviously got your nutrition mm-hmm. kind of element and how that affects the kitchen the recovery side have you got if you got any sort of thoughts on how you structure the space that you live in and interact with as to how you can optimize that from a health perspective sure and that that is definitely one of the things that we approach in our program and i guess i think the biggest contributor to creating a healthy lifestyle is making sure that you are around people that encourage healthy living as well um, so that you're all working together to create a healthy environment. Um, you know, we focus so much on like, what exercise do you do? What should you eat? But one of the big contributing factors to whether or not you do any of that is whether or not you're with someone and around people that also want to do those things because you'll encourage each other to complete those tasks. So I'm very fortunate to have Katie in my life because we are very focused on health and making improvements in all areas, mindfulness and you know, nutrition and movement. Um, and I'd say surround yourself with people. I know that that's difficult in COVID, but there are definitely groups online that allow for that as well. But surround yourself mm-hmm. with people that you can kind of create challenges with and you can really help to boost each other up to stick with these habits. So that would be the first thing. Um, I got very lucky because I saw what was happening with COVID and I do enjoy science and epidemiology. And I was like, this is going to be a little bit crazy. So we actually just spent a bunch of money on gym equipment before it was a big thing. And so we, we ordered all the plates, all the equipment, everything I would need to stay fit for our garage. And uh, that, that was a good call on our part before they did any lockdowns. Um, how do you how do you find that, Andrew? Like, because one of the things like I've been I've been a sort of home based trainer for for some time, and and now even it, I'm I'm managing, but I'm finding it difficult. Particularly, I guess I, I struggle because of where I in my house my office space is the same as my is my kind of where my, I would normally do my workouts during the winter. Have you found that you, you you're easy enough to kind of to to get that motivation to train at home, or again anything where people are sort of because COVID's been going on a while now. My my sense is when we first got into it, people were kind of like right, I'm going to crack on, I'm going to get into my training whereas now the fatigue is setting in and the motivation could be waning in terms of actually getting those workouts done at home well i was we were drinking quite a bit when covid first happened i don't i think most people were that way for a little bit (laughs) 
drinking, just eating whatever. And I started to, I, I mean, I still looked fit, but I could see that my gains were changing and my capacity was reducing. My weightlifting was changing. And, um, I think one, I, that was a good, like five months where I was just kind of dragging ass. I didn't really want to do working out in the home gym. And I went and I had the opportunity to work with, um, an actor named Pablo in California. And, um, his trainer just taught me some really fun little techniques to just change up my workout routine. And that really kind of inspired me to, to work a little bit harder and enjoy fitness again. And I think that's just, I, I would say, if you are feeling a little bit stagnant, try to find something, whether it's the School of Calisthenics program or wealth or whatever that may be, uh, online Pilates classes, something that will help to spark that interest again. Because if you're just kind of like, I don't want to do my bicep curls in the garage right now or whatever the hell you can do, um, try to find some other routine that can help to spark that interest again. I like the idea that there's so many listening to this going, that is the only thing that I want to do at the moment. <laughs> I'm currently bicep curls. doing bicep curls in the garage whilst listening to the podcast. <laughs> there must be. If that's you, send us a message. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is there, um, is there anything else from that sort of like, you know, that's, that's putting the, the, the overview sort of piece on it. Is there anything else before diving into any sort of like specific things where people... Uh, might be able to benefit from a from a recovery point of view obviously well, like the healthier we are when you look after all of those elements that we're talking about you they're 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 they're, they're the foundation they're the nuts and bolts um, so get those things sorted. there's a couple of other practices that that i do in terms of nutrition again you know not purchasing the unhealthy goods is, is helpful uh mm. and i know that it's very simple to do your uber eats or whatever platform you like to use to get food to your house um, do your best not to use that. And that's, that's easier said than done. Um, for those people that don't know how to cook, I think that an air fryer is awesome. Uh, very easy to use. I think Katie and I use that for two or three meals a day and it makes incredible food and you need very little oil. And, uh, I, that, that's just a, a nice, for those of you that don't like to cook, Air fryer is a great way to just introduce some healthy foods to your diet that are tasting great. I'd like to just say some. It might sound a little bit out there as well, but if and it it might challenge people a little bit. But I would also, if you don't like to cook or you don't think you're very good at it or it's just not, I would say like learn to do it. Like it's not it's it's not that difficult actually at all. Like I've never been good at cooking or that type of thing, but can still make nice food now like you you'll find things to do. it's a it's i would say it's like a it's a necessity of of life that we should be able to do um and if you are challenged by that i would sort of don't just dismiss it it, it sort of just chew that over a little bit and, and challenge yourself to go okay could i, I mean there must be a billion youtube videos about how to make like really nice stuff like it, it's really easy I think it helps you understand what is in your food too. When you exactly. actually have to look at, you know, I, we eventually just kind of stopped buying any boxed items or any mm. pre-processed packaged foods. And you can make some incredibly tasty food just using onions and garlic and salt and pepper, like very simple ingredients 
You can put mm-hmm. that on just about any type of meat or tofu or tempeh, <laughs> whatever you're eating, and it's going to taste amazing. Um, and that's where I know that there was a fad for a while where salt is kind of bad. Uh, if you get a high quality salt, a uh, nice pink Himalayan or some Icelandic salt, that can really spice up any food that you're using and you can use quite a bit and it's it's not bad for you. That's a great point. I, I've spoken to people about this before. Like I'm actually, I'm a salt fan in that if you, if you start playing around with different salts, you realize how good it is and not just accepting your standard sort of cheapest table salt. It's, um, yeah, when, when you talk about salt being a flavor enhancer, there are levels to salt for sure. And if you've not dived into that, just go next time in the supermarket, just go to a nice supermarket and just see what else is on offer because it's, uh, we, have, we have a Cornish sea salt, um, which is from the south of the south coast down here. Mm. And it is, uh, it is excellent. That would be amazing. Yeah, we have a guy on our team, Shiloh. He he just put a bunch of like thick rock salt on steak, and I'm like, that's it. And then he cooked it, and oh my <laughs> gosh, <laughs> just yeah. ridiculously good. That was it. Salt. <laughs> that was a, that was an important part for people to take away from this conversation. That salt is is good. Yeah, salt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's dive into oh, a bit around yeah. mindfulness practices. Yeah. Yes, go for that. Sorry. If you want to change it, it's fine. Um, I I really struggle with meditation. And so what I focused on instead of doing meditation, because I don't know if uh, – do you guys practice that much? Do you meditate? I do some breathing stuff, which is basically it, it sort of yes. – there is a meditative part to it, but it's not med- – I'd be the same as you. It was like sitting still and doing meditation is like – I like the idea of it, but practically I wasn't able to really do it, whereas – doing some breathing techniques and things it's like the same type of thing but i can actually do that (laughs) yes and that's what i was kind of getting at is instead of doing a meditative practice i've been taking a minute uh, a couple times a day just to focus on very slow inhales and exhales through the nose Mm. only and that has just been a way to get some of that meditative practice in but not feel like all right i need to sit down and do 15 minutes of meditation eyes closed on the pillow and you know that that's too much you're not going to stick with that um unless you're already making that a part of your practice good for you i'm proud of you uh if you're not like that i'd focus on just try to do a little bit of controlled breathing and i kind of enjoy to do that on the bike i have a bike here and we just all sit there and do nasal breathing slow breaths to the point where i almost feel like i'm gonna suffocate I don't know if you guys, if you've ever done slow breathing or breath holds while you're exercising, but it feels like you are drowning underwater and yeah, that is incredibly yeah, sure. meditative and you're also getting all kinds of other gains from that. How slow um, are you talking on those? Like if you were to do it on a count? Um, I try to do six second inhales and exhales at yeah. like a 130 to 135 beats per minute. I have an Apple watch that records that. And, um, uh, usually around four in and out because six is I'm yeah, yeah, struggling. Yeah, challenging. It adds a massive like change, changing your breathing, slowing it down, or breath holding whilst exercising adds a massive like load in inverted commas, like not a, a load, but adds a massive load in terms of like it being an, a, just a, a massively different challenge. Let alone the benefits you get from your CO two tolerance um, yes, exactly. because of it. But yeah, it's um, yeah, no, fascinating stuff for sure. And I find that my resting heart rate has decreased and my breathing has decreased when I'm just chilling. 
And I ha yeah. also have an aura ring that apparently tracks breaths. I don't understand how, uh, but it seems pretty spot on with everything that it tells me. I've had it for a week and a half here. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I've got one question actually, because it's something that, um, Oh no, there was actually what something one thing that you you've said this before, Tim, but you're I won't remember exactly what it is, but you've said something about like two seconds of courage, like when you're making a decision. So you know when we were talking about was it or is it three seconds? It was like a very short amount of like courage when you make to do something. Mm -hmm. It was making me think of like we we all sort of said like take those things out of your environment that you don't want to eat, and the easiest thing mm -hmm. is just not to buy them so that then they're not in the house. But I've definitely had that challenge sometimes when walking past the chocolate or the whatever it is in the supermarket and it's like at that point is like i'm not going to eat it right there and then but at that point there's a split second of like i either pick it up and put it in the basket or not and it's like that that tiny little decision there is what dictates whether what i'm actually going to then do later on so there's like that encouragement <laughs> of like just for a split second like just make it like a make the decision you really actually want to make not the one that your belly's just sort of saying to you when you walk past yeah, and I often look at what is the what is my end goal, and is that going to help me along my path to to achieving that goal? And so when I have those, because I love ch potato chips, are my kryptonite and French fries. Um, when I'm in the store, there's this olive oil sea salt potato chip that I just love to get, and I'll do the same thing. I look at them and I'm like, but you know, they're they're great but they're going to offer short-term happiness after eating them. And ultimately I'm going to feel like ass afterward. Um, I'm going to be bloated. My face is going to get all puffy. All the excess sugar is going to keep me up later at night, you know, whatever it is. There's so many things that I kind of mm -hmm. talk through my, with myself that this is not going to feel good afterward. Um, we all know it's like you eat a pile of ice cream and you're like, this was amazing. And then for three hours, maybe even the next morning when you wake up, you're just like, Oh, I feel like complete shit. Like I just drank. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah just when I get to, to the give toilet, a... it tells me what went on. <laughs> to give credit where it's due, Jacko, that, uh, that quote is, I think it's seven seconds of extreme courage and it's from the Matt yeah. Damon classic, we bought a zoo. That I stole that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think in the supermarket, it doesn't even need to be seven seconds. I think you can just like bring it right down. Yes, Nate, right. We bought a zoo. What a film. If you haven't watched that film, I just want um, to pick up one thing you said, Andrew, that I thought was really interesting, though, because I'm also not a meditative person and I've been sort of questioning this before as to whether that's because I haven't actually committed time to it, but I find it difficult to quiet my brain down. And, and there's probably some, some truth in the fact that I haven't really giving myself to practicing it consistently and, and um, improving my skill at meditation. But I think you, you make the great point of going, look, when, when things are hectic and, and you're, in that, you're in that particular space, taking a minute or two, and I'll, I'll sometimes find these days, I just want to go and sit on an armchair or on the floor for for three or four minutes, do some breathing. But the other thing that I find is, is really sort of replenishing for me is just to get a book and, and just sit and read, even if it's just for 10 minutes. And I think it's that, it's finding those things, isn't it, which you can, which are energy giving, which are not zapping the system from a like stress perspective. Because mm. I find going out for a run quite meditative, but I'm, I'm awful at pacing running. So I often go out there and absolutely try to thrash myself and come back having mm -hmm. lit up the red zone on my, on my watch for the last 30 minutes. Um, 
I think it, it, those things I find, and, and sometimes I do my best thinking when I'm out running because it's away from that environment. And, and that is, yes. like, let's be honest, that's a meditative practice or a mindful practice in itself without having to kind of, where I look at it and go, probably lack the discipline to sit and quiet my brain down. But I, I agree, I, I think from from seeing you and knowing your content and um, and your, your personality a little bit, like it, when your brain is alive like that, it's not easy to, to calm it down. And we would probably benefit more than most by doing it. But that's, I, like we say, we always try to be honest and truthful in this sort of thing. And that's where we're at. And I'm not going to sit and pretend that I've got that thing nailed down. But it's uh, it's an interesting concept, I think, just to, to look at what is restorative and what does mindfulness mean to each of us where we're currently at. Totally. And uh, I, I mean, I guess nature bathing is another thing. That's a very old concept, several thousands of years old, just getting away from our electronics and just going out into nature, even if it's just a couple of minutes, that can be another meditative thing. Like going for a run is very much you're out in nature. Uh, you're you know, just paying attention to the things around you and paying attention to your breath and your, you know, what your body's doing in that moment. And that's amazing when you can be relaxed and still and just focused on the present rather than what's going on in social media and the news. And obviously everything's been very chaotic in the news. Um, and when you can just be with the leaves moving in the wind and paying attention to the birds and the bugs and all that stuff, that sounds really silly, but it does make a very big difference in calming your mind and allowing it to focus on growth. Yeah. No, because it's, we are, we are natural beings, aren't we? Like we just live in a quite unnatural environment and being back mm-hmm. in where, in nature, like as you, I think, did you mention Wim Hof right at the beginning? You know, that's yes. one of his big things and it's, for, and it's for good reason. Um, I had, um, I guess, something that's quite unnatural, the internet, you talked about social media then. I had one question mm-hmm. around, you, you mentioned um toxicity when you were talking about environment before um and uh, tim takes tim, tim takes the make out of me for putting me tin hat on at night um which basically means turning the wi-fi off um because mm-hmm. mrs jacko has been doing a lot of like looking in and delving into um emfs and like you know turning turning phones off turning the wi-fi off to just mm-hmm. try and at night reduce the the impact of that um you know do you cover anything like that in with your stuff or like, do you is I that something gone. that's important to you I haven't gone as far as EMF. Um, I, just because I know that in a city I'm getting blasted by things all around me that I, I'm much more powerful things than, than, uh, the phone for instance. Um, and I obviously, I haven't read the research and looked into all that just from a physics standpoint. Like it makes sense that, you know, the radio tower that's very close to my house and the, different LTE towers, you know, the whole 5G LTE uh, memes were hilarious to me. Um, But those things are just, there's so much hitting us all the time. And I was just reading about Skylink, I believe it's called, um, Tesla's, uh, what is this company called? SpaceX. They're, you know, going to be launching about 10,000 satellites into low orbit that are going to be blasting um, internet down to earth. So we just have so much hitting us all the time. I don't know if that's going to be even avoidable. Um, Mm. but in terms of social, you know, social media, I think is incredibly toxic and is going to create a lot more stress than I would think the EMF waves are just because we tend to grapple onto the negatives that 
that people say or people do and the amount of, you know, we talk about like a blue light. So reducing the light that you're using at night and putting your phone onto that warm setting so that you're not uh, staring at the blue light from your phone. You're turning off as many lights as you can. And that process allows your brain to start getting into that, that sleep pattern. Your, um, Oh my gosh. Melatonin production in the pituitary will increase. I please tell me if I'm wrong about that part of the brain. Uh, melatonin production increases with the absence of blue light. So when you have that more yellowish or just no light at all, you're going to get sleepier. Now, you might fall asleep easily. You might look at your phone, stare at it, absorb. We call it absorbing, just absorbing information on social media. And then you'll put it down and just immediately fall asleep. But your brain may not actually get into REM or deep sleep for another hour or two. And this is Matthew Walker's research, if you guys are interested in um, learning more about sleep there. Uh, I think I'm getting off topic here. No. Keep social going. media. Um, me. So I've, I've been a part of social media for, I think, a little bit less time than you guys have because I think well, you I was, guys... It was, something, it was something I wanted to ask you about, potentially, that's not massively related to recovery, although, as you say, if it's going to affect how your mood and affect... Oh, yeah. It, it is going to. But and, and for someone to hear, was it just your... Yeah, your your take on it. You're already starting to die, divulge divulge into that of of like you know, been a, a very active person on social media. Uh, presumably, Instagram was where you've built you know your your following, your profile, etc. Um, you know, you're, you're pretty. When I if we message you, you're pretty prompt in responding and stuff. And you know, we know how much time and energy sort of goes into having that that activity and, and using it as a as a very good tool to showing people how to look after their body and how to train and give them mm. good advice and, and all the good things that come out of it but obviously there's the other side of it you know where 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 do you stand on social media so as a company wealth we actually want to eventually not need to utilize social media in the future we want to be able to get to a point where it is very much word of mouth and uh, we think it's healthier because it's obviously as a company, if we're focusing on health as a whole, mental health included in that mm. and the environmental aspect of it, we know firsthand that social media is unhealthy for a lot of people. Um, and that, that is ultimately one of our goals is to get away from using social media altogether. Uh, that, Interesting. That, yeah. So <laughs> obviously we need to do it now in order to get started so that we can get to that point. Um, ultimately, the, the, the negativity and the trolling and the bullying that occurs there, I might get a million positive comments on a post. And it's so easy to hone in on that one that's just like questioning you as a, as a human being. What's your best to- <laughs> what's your best troll comment? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I don't I don't remember. You can't have had much. You're too nice a guy. Oh, there's been a lot. I Really? I, I mean, I've posted between multiple accounts, I've posted maybe 2000 2100 posts or something like that. Yeah. And there's usually a negative comment on every single one. And some of them would yield a lot more. Um, and I've gotten a lot better at determining what things are going to cause lashback or cause comments like that. Hmm. And 
and just avoiding it altogether. And that just comes from experience with social media. Yeah. Do you reply to the negative comments or do you just leave them? That depends. So if it's in regards to, you know, it's very easy for your ego to come in and be like, okay, this person is questioning what I'm teaching as like a movement practice or a health practice. And they're saying like, you're wrong. And this is da, da, da. And I relax and I'm like, maybe they're right. And I need to learn more. So I usually respond to those comments positively looking to learn more. In some cases, I do. I think I've learned more from social media and just posting things and learning that what I was posting is incorrect over the last six years that I, uh, I, I end up growing as a result. And, yeah, and that's, that's cool. one thing. I, you guys know this. The more you learn about a subject, the more you realize you actually know very little about that subject. So at this point, I kind of feel that way about all movement and health. There's so much to learn. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and and I, I certainly feel like that. And and we just um, we are super going off topic now, but we're doing a, a presentation <laughs> next week that I was preparing, and we're kind of putting out some new ideas and some thoughts that we've been sort of made aware of, and all around the sort of the neural input or the the neurology of brain based training. Um, and how that affects everything and it's just something sometimes something where you, you kind of you, your eyes are open go, how have I missed this been in the industry for, for over 10 years and, and this has not really been brought mm -hmm. to my attention or it was a section that I didn't understand and I think it's an interesting conversation really where people can get quite dogmatic in in their beliefs and like I'm the same as you that like I've got absolutely no problem admitting that I was wrong previously because the only the only way that that becomes an issue is when you are insecure about the, the learning process and about what you know. And yes. I don't know if anybody tries to stand there and say that they understand the complexity of the human body to the nth degree, when the majority of people are ending end up going down a specialist route to understand something in more detail of a micro part of that system, and they get a PhD for doing that. That the idea of being a better generalist and less specialist, I think, is is really important. And, and as you say, just understanding everything yes. that you don't know. It is, um, it's, it's huge. And, and, and this, I, I really, I, that's one thing I love about being involved in the working with the human body is I like it that we don't understand everything. That it, it leaves a certain amount of mysticism and there's problems to solve and things to try and experiments to do and, and to try and contribute to understanding. But yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to be at a point somewhere where we just know everything about the human body and we, we understand all of it because I just think it's then I don't know I don't think that'd be a good place for humanity where we, we we think we're quite clever already and I think it's quite good that we get regularly told we don't know everything so get back in your box and of course inflating your ego <laughs> yeah I mean people that stop learning I think your life becomes very very stagnant and kind of feels a little bit meaningless so just continuing to learn about any subject whatever that is is, is very helpful for sure just keeping your interest and uh, mm. there's no way in hell I, I'm going to learn everything about the body. Um, and I, I'm definitely more of a generalist in terms of training the body. I don't care to know the super in-depth principles of neurology. I, you know, it's important and I want to learn more about it. But for me to get stuck on that and think it's like the main thing, uh, I've never understood people that focus on one specific aspect of a movement idea and think that this is the end all solution. Um, I think it's a way to make some pretty good money, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be the best approach to actually helping people. Cool. So let's, let's talk about helping people. 
helping people uh, to recover then sort of a little bit more specific like recover from sessions that they're doing what are some of your top sort of go-tos that you would do um, or know of that are helpful for other people that you recommend in terms of specifically for for training from yeah specifically from training okay for me, I'm just resting and relaxing and listening to your body. So if you are someone that has a tendency to want to overtrain, I I do. Like I yeah. have a lot of eyes on me and there is definitely, I'm aware that I do get drawn to, to my looks and needing to kind of look a certain way. And um, it's important for me to be like, no, you know what, this week, I'm actually going to take a step back. I'm just going to ride the bike. I'm going to go for walks. I'm going to do very light training and I'm not working on creating a pump or getting bigger. And, you know, I think it's important to just relax a little bit and let your body heal because you may find that you'll actually lift more weights. Um, you'll be able to stay more balanced in your handstand, which guys, I don't know how to do a handstand still. Um, do, you, do you wear a t-shirt during those, uh, during those weeks? <laughs> Of course not. Um, and, and so rest and recovery, big. The other thing is I spend a lot of time doing end range stuff, and that's kind of the, the goofy stuff that you see on my social media page. You'll yeah. see that my, my social media page and the wealth social media page are going to be very different. Um, I kind of post the weird things that I like to discover. So I, people ask, where did you learn this? Well, I probably took the idea from, say, Hunter Fitness um, or these other kind of end range specialists in the FRC environment. And I like to expand on them and just figure something out on my own. I don't really ever just take something and and replicate it. I want to expand on it. And I think that's really fun for me to not focus on getting my heart rate really high or to get that pump, like I said but to focus on challenging my body through these small movements and building control and strength in my end range of motion, because that's ultimately going to make my joints a lot more resilient to lifting heavier loads and training harder in the future. Um, I I don't know if you guys are familiar with FRC. You've been in the field for a long time. So, Um, but I, I think that end range strengthening and rest and recovery are just crucial to feeling good for everyone. And I guess in that you get to be quite creative and, and playful in that in yes. that that part of you in part of your training. Yeah, and I look at Ido Portal's training, and I'm like, these guys are nuts. <laughs> they do some wild stuff. I'm not on that level yet. Uh, I think their stuff is incredible, though. Perfect. So we've got. Um... So I just I want one of the things I'm just going to ask you, um, Andrew, around sort of your recovery, and you make a really good point. And, and I say I, we've we've kind of had a, in this series of this, we, we've kind of talked. This has come up so often that often recovery is kind of it's something that people don't necessarily want to do. You made the point before about taking those weeks where you, you're not going to train and taking a deload and and mm-hmm. give yourself the body the time to to rest and recover. And that's mm-hmm. these are sometimes the easiest 
but the hardest things to do. And the same thing about taking this time to rest and recover. We, we've touched on on sleep. We touched on breathing. You've touched on sort of maintaining mobility and, and that sort of stuff. So if, if you take those as like your basic level, kind of there are your priorities from a recovery perspective. Say someone's listening to this and they go, right, yeah, I've got all that stuff ticked down. I'm pretty disciplined and consistent with it. Where do you go next if you're going through a particularly heavy training block or you think you really want to sort of go after something um, and you need to up your recovery? Have you got any sort of like level two options that you, you might sort of opt for? Sure. And I, I missed an important one, sleep, making sure that you are getting the optimal amount of sleep that your body needs, which is generally between seven and nine hours, depending on the person. That's huge. And again, there's a lot of components to sleep. So if you are someone that looks at your phone uh, or the TV or computer, uh, even up to two hours before you go to bed, that can actually decrease the amount of the, the quality of sleep that you're getting. Uh, so eliminating those blue lights is very helpful for getting into that deep, restful, restorative sleep. Um, nutrition wise, I eat a lot of protein and fat. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm training particularly heavy, I'll start eating, uh, three or four, even upwards to like five meals a day that have just, you know, and I'll be taking more protein shakes and eating a lot more fats like I'll put two avocados in the blender versus one and with all of the almond butter. And usually my shakes are about 1500 to 2000 calories. Um, and I'm just, I'm a big person, 225 pounds, six, five. And when I'm training heavy, I need to increase that, that uptake quite a bit. Uh, as far as mobility goes, I personally, because I'm so hyper mobile, I don't spend a lot of time stretching. That doesn't mean that other people don't need to, but I, I don't need to do that as much. And I spend a lot more time doing that end range strengthening, which I find creates a lot more stability and helps to reduce any inflammation or pains in a joint. Um, in terms of foam rolling, uh, using, using massage balls and whatnot, I don't do too much of that either because I find that the end range strengthening just kind of eliminates that need altogether. Uh, I do it occasionally if there's a specific area of my body that just feels like it's a bit too inflamed, but it also just, I follow it up with more end range strengthening. Um, let's see water intake increasing, uh, making sure that you're taking electrolytes with that. Great. Yeah. But the good, the good shoulder we were talking about before that we get, you'll be getting a lot of high quality shoulder. Yeah. Back to the show. Put salt in your potatoes, winner. <laughs> salt in your porridge, that is a winner. If you, if you don't put salt in porridge or oats, then you've, you haven't lived. It's a Scottish way, but it's, it's also how it goes down in the Jackson house. Uh, cold therapy, I think it's great as well. Yeah, I've just been dabbling in it for the last several months. And um, I, I guess cold therapy and nasal breathing have been two things that I've worked on quite a bit the last few months. And that has made a pretty drastic change in my in my capacity in terms of exercising so nasal breathing has really helped to open up the passageway in my nose allowing me to breathe a lot better and um you know the with nasal breathing it's a natural filter and it compresses the air for your lungs to be able to process it more efficiently versus breathing through your mouth you get less air in through the nose but that's a good thing and it's slower and that's a good thing because it allows for the gases to exchange in the lungs 
more efficiently and it allows you to get used to that that carbon dioxide buildup in the blood and you become more uh, resilient to that as well uh and i just kind of felt a bit more clear and i don't feel as fatigued during exercise and it took me about a month to get to the point where i could have my heart rate at above 170 and be able to breathe through my nose still and um so that's been huge for me in terms yeah. of just building the capacity. Cold therapy, it really helps to build your grit and it increases brown fat production in the body. And so that's actually going to allow you to burn a lot more calories. Brown fat actually burns some white fat and it's only found or built as a result of being exposed to cold. So when you're getting more brown fat in the body, you're going to be burning more calories. Ultimately, you're going to be looking and feeling better there. But ultimately, just building the grit and controlling your breath. It's incredibly meditative to be in a cold environment and to have to focus on your breathing because there's really nothing else that you can do. You can't think about anything because the water is frigid. It's hitting your body. You're focusing on your breathing, and you cannot get your brain away from that at all. Um and that, that's just been really another meditative state for me to practice. Yeah, it's actually, we, we, we talked about cold uh, on the last week's episode with Coach Owen where um, we, we were saying that and I'd not actually triggered it to being a, um, when I guess the three of us were earlier when we talked about meditation saying, oh God, I find it quite difficult to do that, but jumping in the cold like forces you into a meditative state almost and so... I've not really thought about. If someone said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have probably said that I am meditating when I do it. But it's probably that's exactly what is happening. But it's just sort of, it's just happening. You have <laughs> you, to focus on yeah, your presence. Yeah, yeah, it's wicked. Love it. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on and spending some time. And, and sure. I just, it's, um, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to have a conversation where it's just what I've loved about it is it's the nuts and bolts of health and fitness and well-being um, from a physical yeah. and mental perspective and it's it's sometimes it's not glamorous and we, and we live in a world where everyone wants the latest tech which is going to tell us how to be healthy but when we when we strip it all back it's actually a movement away from tech and a movement away back to sort of as, as people were kind of the determined like rewilding of just getting back to basics and um, and using those things that we can have to enhance our, that practice rather than to drive it um, so I think yeah thank you for your your experiences and, and wisdom on of course. that yeah, I, I, I guess um, I'd like to leave it with one last thing is that was a that's a lot of information. If you're someone that's new to a lot of that, um, mm. you're going to fumble and you're going to mess up. And that's just nature of growth. And it's important that you recognize that you're going to fall down and you're going to get up and maybe you don't do some things for months at a time um, and don't dwell on that. Just get started again and continue the process and you're going to improve. Awesome. Love it. Great advice. And so if where, where can people find you, Andrew, on if they want to follow you or wealth and then also websites to check out? We'll put links in the show notes, but just hit them with it. Sure. My personal social media is the dot shirtless dude. Um, our business social media is spreadwealth.com and that is not spread wealth. There. It is spread wealth. So that's W H E A L T H. So whole health basically that yeah. is at spread wealth spreadwealth.com is our website nice so uh, we'll put links in the show notes do go over and give 
Andrew a follow if you're the one person listening to this that doesn't follow him already then make sure you go and sort that out and then if you're interested in uh, learning more about what he's doing with the, with the business um, as well then check out the links in the show notes for that appreciate it guys thank you thanks for being on man of course thank you very much Andrew it's been great We told you in the intro that we were going to go around the houses a little bit and we started off wanting to talk about lots of different things and we, it took us to some new places as well, which I didn't know that we were going to go to, but it was a great conversation and we really hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I certainly enjoyed as much as just hearing from Andrew and the, and the types of things that he's utilising for his recovery. I know I'm going to certainly implement some of those into my own week, um, but also just like hearing hearing from him, you know, seeing a little bit of... Uh, a bit of what he's like behind the camera, understanding how he sort of uses and wants to actually get away a little bit more from social media. I found that uh, interesting and and probably a little bit challenging as well. Their idea for for wealth they're going to look in the future to not even use it at all. I think is is a fascinating um, approach and um, good on him. I've, um, you know, I, I love the guy. I love what he's about, and so it was great to chat to him again. One thing Andrew mentioned before he left, one of those off-air conversations, he said, what he, he said, would you not really make this podcast for me is if your listeners would go and give you a five-star review because he thought it was such a good interview that he thought we deserved a five-star review. So if you would like to do that for us, just head on to your favorite listening platform, give us a little review, some words of encouragement. You know how it goes. We would really appreciate that. And it helps us just to kind of get this content and what we think is great messaging and important um, supportive information for people looking to improve their movement strength and play training out to more of those people and you know you know something else uh, that the listeners won't know this I, I keep i keep telling tim about the stats of the podcast how many people listen to it and he, and he, he won't believe it. it's like prove it prove it and um what he what he wants to see is that when you've listened to it and you've enjoyed the episode that you share it on instagram you tag us in maybe even if you've done a review like prove it take a screenshot <laughs> tag us put it on social there you go let's, let's 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 everyone try and make make tim just like believe in that and get on board with it because uh, you know Mate, you make, hang on a minute you're making me sound desperate now <laughs> it's a joke like insecure a and desperate not my, it's not me on my best day right <laughs> we're going to sign it off and because you've done that to me Jacko I'm going to, I'm going to pass the responsibility of the outro over to you yes I've got it this is week five of the new podcast the podcast formerly known as podcast. so obviously I know what the outro is so Tim there's nothing else to say apart from keep exploring your physical potential with movement strength and play <laughs>